This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. You are tuning in to a multi-platform broadcast of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, and I'm your host, Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante, author of The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. Today, we've got a special discussion on the book Infinite Country by Patricia Engel, and if you don't have your copy yet, you will be able to get a free copy if you participate in our Big Read Giveaway. It's going to be Wednesday, February 21st at 6.30 p.m. with our partners from the Harris County Library. And this particular branch is the Maud Smith Marks Branch Library, 1815 West Green Boulevard, Katy, Texas, 77450. The first 50 attendees, if you register online and show up, you'll get a free copy of the book. And it's completely free to enter. But what's really fun is no pressure to read the book ahead of time. So I don't, I don't want you to feel like you're going to get graded when you walk in or anything to that effect. But what I want you to, to think about is it's a great chance to audition the book, but meet some great thinkers that are going to provide a great perspective on how to take this book in and also profound discussion on Latino literature and more importantly, how this impacts the community. So I want to welcome our friends. Um, and of course, the um, the show first broadcasts on YouTube, but then we transmit it also on Facebook. And some folks will watch it on fox26houston.com. The audio will be edited. So some folks may be listening to this on 90.1 FM KPFT, your community station. And of course, we also have the podcast version as well. So we hope that you will send that to other folks so they can enjoy this evening as well. And we're really happy to be joined by Dr. Esteban Ocuña, who is not only a, a doctorado, but from Colombia also. So thank you so much for joining us, Esteban. And do me a favor, tell folks where you're at right now and where you're from in Colombia. Okay. So hi, everybody. Um, I'm Esteban Acuña. I'm originally from Bogota, Colombia. Um, and I just uh, last month moved to Houston permanently. So I'm going to be here joining everybody in, in the south of the U.S. Um, but part of the reason that I'm talking about the book is because I'm originally from the place where the book takes place, or at least most of the book takes place. And so, yep. Which is so cool. And a little bit, we're going to talk about some major coincidences, too, that you're That's not just familiar true. with the place in general, but there's some specific coincidences that are really great. So we'll share that in a little bit. Thank you so much yes. for joining us. We look forward to having you at the in-person event as well. So thank you for that. I'm glad to join. Also joining us from the Harris County Library is Angela Martinez. Angela, thank you so much for everything that you do for the community. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at the Harris County Library. Well, thank you for having us. I'm with Harris County Public Library. I've been there for over about almost 13 years, I think, this year. 
I really like to say I grew up in libraries because when I was a kid, my mom worked at the Keenwood Branch Library. And so I have fond memories of going to the library and visiting the, the library. Um, so I grew up very much knowing the importance of libraries and the services they provide. Um, I was a kid that would sign up for summer reading every summer. Um, anytime I walked into a library, I always get that feeling like I was Belle from Beauty and the Beast. You know, when she sees that big library, that's the library I want. I still want. Um, and, you know, just, you know, in life, um, I got a job at Kingwood Branch Library, part-time circus assistant when I was an undergrad and I just fell in love, especially what the libraries do and the library staff, what they work to provide services to the community from early literacy services, um, from youth literacy services to adult education services. And not only that, we have fun programs that we have, you know, that focus on maker programs, STEM. We have our story times, of course. Um, so there's a lot going on in the library and it's all for free. That's so cool. And I really do love that. Like you said, you were raised in libraries and here you are making a career out of it and giving back to folks for that as well. So, yes. so thank you. And we'll talk more a little about that and what the role of reading plays in your life. And also, inviting people to that particular branch. Um, so quick question. How old were you when you were going with your mom to her job at the, at the library? I must have been about five, I think. There's okay. a really cute picture of me pretending to check out some books. <laughs> I like love on it. on the back on the staff side. <laughs> I love it. So you were actually even younger than our next young guest, but our next guest is very young. Uh, Edrina Dos Santos is a, 17-year-old student at Victory Early College, Lone Star College, Houston North. She read the book and was really taken by it. Her family is the Uruguay, and she's making her North American radio debut today. So, Edrina, thank you so much for joining us. And you mentioned to me that you are planning to major in mechanical engineering. You don't often get intrigued or, or your imagination is captured by a book but this particular book caught your imagination is that fair to say yeah and what do you think really brought you in about the book i think that it was i couldn't like imagine it uh the book like i can actually imagine everything that the author was saying and i could just put it into my actual family and tell us a little about your family experience that, that really touched your heart when you saw something similar in the book. Um, it was probably when, uh, uh, it was, oh my God, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of forgot the character's names, it's been a minute, but it's whenever the main character's mom, uh, whenever her mom passed away, and she couldn't go back to Colombia to actually say bye to her. It it, it reminded me of my mom, because my mom's mom she passed away um, around two thousand and seven, and she could never go back um, to go say bye to her. And to this day, she hasn't gone back. Wow, that's powerful. I really appreciate you sharing that with us, and it's really wonderful that this book touched your heart that way. But I think the big the the big lesson here is that you haven't been exposed to books like this. And, and I'm so glad that you're embracing reading because of this. So thank you for taking time to join us. We are celebrating the big read. We want to thank the National Endowment for the Arts for their support. 
NEA Big Read is a program of the National Endowment for the Arts in partnership with Arts Midwest. We also want to thank the Harris County Library. We also want to thank Harris County Commissioner Briones, who not only uh, participated in one of our book discussions in person where we gave away several books, but she also uh, led a rec recognition of Nuestra Palabra at Commissioner's Court. And to remind folks, if you have time and energy, you can come Wednesday, February 21st at 6.30 p.m. at the Maud Smith Marks Branch Library, 1815 West Green Boulevard. And the first 50 folks who register and attend will get a free copy of the book. I do want to read the book jacket description just so that you can kind of get situated. And then we're going to talk to our panel of experts. Uh, and again, I, I want to stress one thing. Sometimes people think that you're an expert only because you've studied something. We want to let you know that just like Edrina, she's an expert because she's lived it. She wants to bring a young woman's perspective to a book that talks a lot about the story of women. And because of her background, that makes her an expert as well. So the book, again, is called Infinite Country by Patricia Engel. Uh, Thalia is being held at a correctional facility for adolescent girls in the forested mountains of Colombia after committing an impulsive act of violence that may or may not have been warranted. She urgently needs to get out and get back to Bogota, where her father and a plane ticket to the United States are waiting for her. If she misses her flight, she might also miss her chance to finally be reunited with her family. How this family came to occupy two different countries, two different worlds, come into focus like twists of kaleidoscope. We see Talia's parents, Mauro and Elena, fall in love in a market stall as teenagers against the backdrop of a civil war and social unrest. We see them leave Bogota with their firstborn, Karina, in pursuit of safety and opportunity in the United States on a temporary visa. And we see the births of two more children, Nando and, and Talia, on American soil. We witness the decisions and indecisions that lead to Mauro's deportation and the family splintering, the cost they've all been living with ever since. Award-winning internationally acclaimed author Patricia Engel, herself a dual citizen and the daughter of Colombian parents, gives voice to all five family members as they navigate the particulars of their respective circumstances. Rich with Bogota urban life, steeped in Andean myth, and tense with the daily reality of the undocumented in America, Infinite Country is as much an all-American story as a global one. And that is uh, also from the review from Booklist. And that is the actual summary provided by Simon & Schuster. We want to kind of give folks those that a little bit of background. But what we bring to the table is um, a young woman's perspective, uh, someone from the library field's perspective, and a PhD in anthropology, but also from Colombia. Let me start with Angela. Why are panels like this important and why do you think people should come to uh Maud Marks branch to steep in because some people may think I'm intimidated I haven't read the book um you know I'm not an expert in literature why should folks attend I don't think you have to be an expert in the literature I think you just have to know what you like reading especially if it's not a story that's not your own story and different and so those stories give you different experiences 
Like I'm not Colombian, I'm Mexican American. Um, you know, I don't have that connection like Andrea has of, of, of having that experience, like where her mother have family in different countries, you know, um, I, I grew up a bit, I, I, you know, I, I think I do have like some family. I don't know that well, Mexico, but for the most part being like, like second, third generation here, I really don't. I mean, I have family in San Antonio, <laughs> but that's about it or in Brownsville in the Valley. But um, I think it really opens it uh, as, as a reader, it builds up empathy of the stories you're reading. It makes you empathize with, with their um, struggles and their journey. And um, I think it's, it's wonderful that we celebrate Latino authors and um, because that's something growing up, I didn't see a lot. I can tell you, I think I only read maybe one book that I ever saw myself in, and it was written by Gary Soto and that was Too Many Tamales. And it's a picture book. I don't know if y'all remember that picture book, <laughs> but it, I mean, I love that the publishing world right now, we have so many Latinx authors and voices out there sharing their stories. also be donating 27 copies uh to the harris county library so that every branch can wind up with a copy so if folks happen to miss this or where they see the broadcast after the live event they can still go to the local branch and take the book out and you mentioned a couple things including the nuances of the whole latino experience so you, you sometimes people think that the immigrant experience is universal to all latinos and like you pointed out you're several generations uh, into the U.S. experience, but you still can relate to some of this. And I think, right. like like you mentioned as well, that it's great to have a, a full spectrum of, of what to experience for our community. I want to add, too, if you're not, um, if you missed the program at the library and you are a book, you know, you want to read the book, you can also check it out on our digital collection on Overdrive on Libby. We have um, e-books and we also have e-audiobooks. That's fantastic. Now, Esteban, before we lean on your capacity as an intellectual, um, let's talk about your personal relationship to the to the book as well. So tell us about one a little bit about your background and then lead us into some of the places you know personally from the book. It might take too long to go through <laughs> like all of the places and 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 little snippets that uh, that sparked my memory. Um, but I'm originally from Bogota. I grew up in, in a neighborhood close to the place where the violence, uh, the violent act because of the cat and all of this stuff that happens in the book. We can talk about it later, uh, but very close to there. And, and, and of course, um, so, so the description sometimes kind of reminded me of growing up in that area of the city. Um, and, um, but also my family history is, is, is a history of displacement. My, my grandma came from the part of the, uh, of the book that takes place in Santander, which is closer to the border with Venezuela. And it's where the, um, Talia is taken um, after she commits the crime as well. Um, and of course, the El Dorado airport is, I've seen a lot of it because I'm a migrant myself. So uh, from Bogota, 
and it, that's the main airport in, in the entire country. So, so there's, there's many, these are just three snippets, but there's a lot of different things that I relate to personally. And I mean, I just came to Houston and also the United States. I've been here only two, two years. Um, so my migration story is a little bit different. I, I went to Europe and not, not directly to the United States, but there's, there's many things that we can talk about, about the migrant experience as a Colombian person, which probably Andreina can talk about because of her own family experience as well. So, so there's, there's enough to talk about for sure. And, and later too, we do want to talk about where this book might fit into the canon or to the, the whole spectrum of Colombian Colombian American literature, and, and also some of the some of the themes that we see in in other uh, other works as well. So we'll, we'll come back to you for that. We kind of want to focus on the uh, the personal right now, and then uh, Andreina, you you mentioned too that the, you also saw this as a story about women, so you were able to relate to different aspects about this. Well, my mom, she's like. Since my parents have separated, it's been like a year now, my mom has been like our main provider. And um, obviously she's she's been in the U.S. for over 22 years now. And she is like dying to get back to Uruguay. Um, and she is planning on getting back, like going back um, after my, grad my, my little brother graduates, which is in a couple years actually. And, but we, but like, my siblings and I, it, it's gonna like hit us hard because we do love our mom so much. And when she does leave, like it, we, we're all gonna be really sad, especially my big brother since he's the most attached to her. He was seven whenever he did get here. And he has two kids of his own now. So he has his own little family, but he does want um, his kids to grow up with our mom here. Now, and again, we're talking about Uruguay which is different than Colombia, but you still could relate to, to some of these aspects of the book. Have you been to Uruguay? No, I have not. But your mother longs to be there. Yeah. And would you think of visiting? I've been, I've been wanting to visit Uruguay for a very long time now. I love it. And again, thank you so much for sharing that because that's a whole other perspective because you're, you're living through the, through the decisions shaped by your mom but clearly she's made sacrifices for the for the family and still wants to wants to go back. I'm hoping that folks who are uh, watching or listening will understand that that's what we want people to think about when they share the book. But again, it could be from any experience, any background, kind of like Angela was saying, the empathy of saying, well, you know, I can, I can tap into this emotion, that emotion that makes it universal. But then also at the same time, it does shed light on one aspect of the, of the Latino experience. Um, and then Angela, so we're hoping to have the uh, place open where people can walk in, enjoy themselves, get a copy of the book. They may not have read one page of the book. Maybe after they get it, they'll feel like they want to read through it. 
And additionally, they can come back to this broadcast and, and watch about watch and say, oh, that's what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of what you want going on at, at your library branches? Yeah, we are always inviting the public to come in, join book clubs. We even tell, you know, the public in our, who join our book clubs, you don't have to like the book that you're going to read. We prefer you do, but we always find there's more discussion if you don't like the book. Um, you don't have to read the book beforehand. You can just, you know, have read a bit of it or be completely new and just be open to, again, reading a new story. Um, so we have a lot going on. And I think with well, this one is, is unique in that we're going to have a panel. We're going to have a bit of discussion about the book to kind of give more context into the book and really, um, you know, just talk about how great it is. Um, Infinite Country by Patricia Ingle. Um, I think it's one of those books that kind of falls in, if you like, um, oh, um, 1,000 Years of Solitude. If you like that book, which is a classic by, um, is it Gabriel Garcia Marquez? I feel like we're looking at different generations, following different generations. Um, if you also like The House of Broken Angels by Luis um, Alberto Urea, that's a fantastic one as well. Those are great read-alikes for this book. So if you're a fan of any of those books, I think Infinite Country is your next read. And also, I want to tell folks, too, that we'll be joined by five additional students from Lone Star College, Houston North, also called Victory Early College. So if you know any youth that think that this is not for them, it's not the case. Uh, they'll be attending as well. And they've been part of other book discussions. So I think it's great to get that young person's perspective. They were very intrigued by the book and they got some great statements. Um, and Esteban, so you lived in Colombia. This brings up an interesting question about the role of fiction and the role of nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Because we got to remind folks, this is a novel. It is a fictional account. Um and Patricia didn't grow up there as you did. So tell me, tell us a few instances where you walked the same, you know, streets as something in the book. Let's start there. Yeah. I mean, I could even talk about my own family walking some of the, uh, like, like I tried to, I, I tried to imagine the book like chapter by chapter. And I realized that um, it's, it more or less happens. Um at the same time that I am growing up. So I, I'm born in the 80s, I'm born in 1986. So as um, Mauro and, and Elena are, are having like their love affair when they're very young, I am kind of being born. So so I can see like, I, I was a kid when certain things happened. And so, so it was very interesting to see the, the parallel stories. Um, I was, to be honest, I was a bit, well, we can talk about that later, but I was a bit taken back by by the emphasis on violence because I don't think the book is about violence um, I, in the sense of guerrillas, paramilitary, the, the, the civil conflict that exists in Colombia. Um, it, of course, those things are mentioned as background, but but the, the it, they focus on, like the story focuses on the family and, and, and how... Um, they end up migrating and split in two and all of these different um, very hardly felt stories. So um, for me, um, Bogota felt a little bit more like a background to the story. Um, I, 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 I spent 20 something years in the city and I go back 
as much as I can. So, so it is my home. So it didn't feel like it was being talked about, like the city that I know. It felt more as the background to this migration story. Um, and it makes sense at the end when you realize who the narrator is, who's a person that hasn't been to, to Colombia. So, so like at the end, you're like, ah, oh, okay, I get it. I like, it is a, an image, a fragmented image of the city as the as same way that the, the glimpses that you get of New Jersey and of other places in the US of Houston itself are very fragmented and don't feel like, like they're actually describing each of the, the places, but they're more part of the whole story. Does that make sense? No, no, definitely. Well, let me ask you this. When you were growing up, you mentioned the book brings up some of the, some different, uh, I think we had chatted and you call them bullet points about mm -hmm. violence or historical issues. Um, yeah, I made a list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> give, give, us, give, give us like four of them. <laughs> it's just, I think, well, we were talking about representation and, and what sometimes, like sometimes authors have to do certain things in order to give context to people that haven't lived in the country that they're talking about or in the place that they're talking about or the time that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, Patricia Engel tries really hard to do like um, a timeline of events of what happened in Colombia at, at, at different points. And it could feel a little bit, to be honest, it could feel a little bit daunting and foreign for a reader that is not familiar with the Colombian context. But I would encourage the readers to go past that and, and, and focus on the story, the, the very gripping story of migration because i mean there's um mentions of the narcos and paulo escobar and the guerrilla fighters the paramilitary fighters the um, the different um changes of regime the the killing of paulo escobar the the and then even when they get to 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 the us she does a little bit of those things when she mentions for example the war in afghanistan and these kind of things but in the in the case of colombia is really strong and she, there's also bullet points when it comes to what she calls ancestral knowledge. Um, so a lot of name dropping of gods from the Chipcha mythology, which is the indigenous population that 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 lives in the Bogota savanna, which is where the the city is located now. But that used to be ancestral land, of course. Mm. Um, so so there's so the book is kind of like it's peppered with all of these different references that if you didn't grow up in Colombia and, and know a bunch about these things, you might just like gloss over them um, because they're, they're, just, they're very tiny and kind of like sprinkled about mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. But you make a great point in that for the for a writer, then you're torn in that, okay, I want to set this in a certain place, mm -hmm. but your typical US audience starts with zero. Like uh, you know, Angela was saying, well, we want to get more books by Latinos. Well then if you go by population, you know, the largest chunk of Latinos is gonna be Mexicans, Mexican Americans. Texans, probably then, uh, what, Houston, Central Americans, right? You got your Guatemalan community, Salvadorans. Mm -hmm. uh, 
we're still not done. We're, we still haven't gotten to Columbia, <laughs> you yeah. know, just by just by sheer size. So then here, not even we as Latinos have that common historical background. Mm-hmm. Um, because, for example, uh, Adriana, I want to focus on this. So you're in um, your dual credit student, which means that you've been accepted into a program where the courses you take fulfill high school requirements, but you're also working towards an associate's degree in college. So when you graduate from high school, you can have also, besides your high school degree, an associate's degree. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's fair to say that, you know, you you are uh, well-prepared for school, serious student, but you mentioned this is the first book you connected with that you could see some of your culture. Um, is this the first book you've read by a Latina author um, in school? I think, yeah, I think so. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in 2024, and we have a student that is engaged and interested, goes above and beyond. Hey, she's here on a Monday night instead of <laughs> instead of uh, you know doing what kids do or homework. You're here with us talking about books, so thank you for that you would love to have read something and you haven't. So, I mean, that's part of the context. That's part of the context as well. Now, you're not Colombian, Adina, but you connected with the immigration story because of your own family. Can you share a little bit more about uh, your family's um, experience uh, from Uruguay to to Houston to to the United States? Uh, Yeah, my mom was, I think like 22, I believe. And then my sister, she had turned two whenever, like they had just arrived here. My And then my big brother, he was seven years old. And my mom has told me that it took her like a long time to adjust to like the culture here in the United States. She said that even it took time for her to adjust, like even to the water. Because in Uruguay, like they would have like wells and they would just like put buckets inside the wells and just bring it back up. There would be like pure natural water. And it was kind of hard on them at first. And then my dad had arrived like two, three months later. And then they were just kind of moving from like apartments or to like a trailer. And then they finally actually got like a trailer in, uh, in a neighborhood that we actually live like five minutes away from here, from there. Wow. And, and I suppose then you had mentioned there were parts in the books then that reminded you of your experience. And I appreciate you sharing your your story, because with that story, you, you do build a bridge with this book, which you mentioned you had not engaged. And how long did it take you to read the book? Like two, two three days. Nice. So you melted, you yeah. melted right through it, right? Mm-hmm. That's very cool. And Angela, too. So when did you read your first book? You, you mentioned you did, were not exposed to Latino literature. And you were your mom was a librarian. You were in libraries. Right. Uh, but, you know, at the time in the 90s, there weren't many Latino authors. And a lot of the characters that we saw that were Latinos, they were the supporting characters. They were never the main characters. They were stereotypes. Um, so I read Gary Soto. I fell in love with him because he, he was he was someone who looked like me and wrote stories about like people who look like me and who came from similar backgrounds. And Andrina, I can give you a list of young adult novels by Latino. Latin Latinx authors and uh, there's a lot of great ones out there. Um, I work a lot with um, with teens 
and coming up with reading lists. So for our Tournament of Books program, where we come up with a diverse reading list, not only Latino authors, but we get um, Black authors, we get authors of different disabilities, authors in the LGBTQ plus community. And one of those, our goals there is to broaden readers, you know, the reading, make sure that they are exposed to different genres, different formats, different voices. And um, when I read books, I like, especially if it's a Latino author and it's a young adult book or it's a children's book, I think, man, this is a book I would have loved as a child. Mm -hmm. This is a book I would have wanted to read. Um, for instance, Miss Quinces is a graphic novel. It's about a girl who has her quinceanera, and she does not want to have a quinceanera. That one, I, that, I related to that one so much. I'm like, that that was me at that age. Um, but yeah, I did not see that growing up. I um, I mean, I was a kid who was a part of the Harry Potter generation. That was the books that I literally grew up with. There's no Mexicans in there, <laughs> right. right? There's no Mexicans in Harry Potter. There's There's no no magic. In, in Harry Potter, magic? right? No Mexicans. No. <laughs> um, but I think the first one I really, besides Gary Soto, was in middle school. I read *The House on Mango Street* by Sandra um, Cisneros, and mm -hmm. again, I I saw my you know my family in there. I saw people who looked like me, and and um, I think it's important that that kids have that, not or adults too that you see that and you're exposed to that um, because that way you see yourself reflected and you see your stories are important to be published and shared. That's, that's wonderful. And, you know, things are getting a little better because I did not read a, a book written by a Latino till I was a junior in college. It was down these mean streets by Pity Thomas um, because my creative writing Professor, Professor Ted Anton at DePaul University was asking me why I wasn't writing short stories about my own family and my background. And I honestly didn't think that I could, you know. Um, and again, I was like uh, Edrina. I was a motivated student, good in school. So it wasn't as if uh, I didn't want to read the books. They were just not around. So I'm glad that as folks you know, as, we, as, as America has gone on, younger folks are getting exposed more often. But clearly the message here is still not enough. And let's complicate it even further, uh, Esteban, because it would be great then not only to have books about the Latino experience, but some of the groups that are not as uh, widely present in the population, but still significant. Tell us about the role of Colombian literature in the American canon and even in the Latin American mm -hmm. um, so, well. I mean, I think it's important to remember that the um, the number of migrants that exist in the United States does not necessarily correspond to the proportion of people in South and Central America. Mm -hmm. So, um, of course, Mexico will always be the biggest country, the biggest Spanish-speaking country in the continent, but then Colombia is second, you know? So even if it's not... Um, mm -hmm as significant in the United States, although there's a lot of Colombians in the U.S. And if you go to... My Jackson tío's Heights, Colombian. <laughs> if you go to Jackson Heights in New York, you'll realize how powerful the presence of Colombians can be. Um, um, but at the same time, it's like um, there, there's a, a big country, 50 million people with, with, a, with a, its own literary tradition that can be very positive for people that that want to read things that can be more related to their experience, either mm -hmm. because of migration. There's a lot of, 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 of literature and movies about migration. 
Um, we have our own expressions about making it to the United States. And I mean, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's like, um, we could say like our own branch of, of, of literature, but there's also something that I studied. Actually, I, I studied it in college because I did read a couple of, of, of Colombian written books in high school, but it was in college in which I realized that there was this very powerful literary movements in Spanish, in the Spanish speaking world that were not Europe, that were not Spain, that were South America and Central America. Um, concretely, the Latin American boom, which is um, what we were talking about as like Colombia added to the Latin American boom through Garcia Marquez. Mm -hmm. But his literature is very different to this book because um, the spaces that he's talking about is the Caribbean. And then there's other people coming from other experiences like the Argentinian experience, the Mexican experience, the, I mean, the Latin American movement is quite amazing. And I would recommend everybody to read anything from that era of Latin American um, writers. But, um, but Patricia Engel is inspired in people like Gabriel Garcia Marquez and this idea of magical realism, like, like that sometimes reality is more magical and crazy than, than whatever we can come up in our heads. But then, then we have, um, so she's inspired by that, but then, but then she concentrates on spaces that are not usual in literature, like the city of Bogota, which is kind of the big white elephant in the room because, because nobody talks about Bogota. It's, people say it's too ugly, it's too rainy, it's too high up in the mountains, there's too many people there. Um, so, so it's very, it's like, it's like this, this city that nobody talks about, but mm. it's still, I mean, a fifth of the population of the country lived there. It's an important city. Uh, now even larger because there was a huge Venezuelan diaspora to the city. So, so now it's a binational city, if you can call it that way. So, so there's also plenty of stories of, of, of South-South migration that are very interesting and will come up in literature in future years and whatnot. So I would, I would just encourage people to, to, to look beyond the borders of the U.S. and back and forth because the, all of the exchanges that are existing are quite amazing. close by having each of you mention a little bit about what you might bring up in addition when we meet in person on uh, Wednesday, February 21st, 6.30 p.m. at the Maud Smith Marks Branch Library, 1815 West Green Boulevard in Katy, Texas. And the first 50 attendees get a free copy of the book. We'll also be donating 27 copies to the Harris County Library for, for all of its branches. Again, I want to remind people the NEA Big Read is a program of the National Endowment for the Arts in partnership with Arts Midwest. So uh, Esteban, too, in person, I mean, we, we can't talk about everything right now. Uh, in person, maybe you'll talk about some of the themes we mentioned. You mentioned this other genre of the narco, you know, the narco fictional element, which is big right now. There's a, there's a broadcast with Sofia Vegara. Uh, mm -hmm. 
you know, um, that's got a role in it. Uh, you also mentioned, well, um, like you said, uh, even some of these parts of, of, of the book are not covered in Colombian literature itself. Um, is there a Colombian American, you know, strand as well? Um, uh, Esteban, sure. uh, mention a few more tidbits that we could follow up on. In person. I mean, I'm not a literature expert, so I'll do my homework before, before the, the live version so that I can get some like specific names and whatnot. But of course there's, I think this book gives us a, a perspective that is not usual in, in Colombian literature, precisely because there's this strong representation of what the country is, which is usually the, the parts of the country that have been like touched by bio, but violence and and, uh, and and drug dealing and and, and the commerce of, of the, in the black market and all of that. So so we don't get the lives of people that just live in the city, work in a market, do the, their daily thing. Um, so, so, so that's, I think the book brings that to the table and, and I, I mean, um, what else? I, I also think that it's, um, it just like the way that it touched Andre and I touched other people like myself, because I was thinking about my own family and like my grandma being in one of this, like, uh, residential schools kind of thing that, and you can talk about, about that history, which is a bit different than Catholic elite boarding schools in the United States. It's that different thing that comes from colonial times and brought a lot of trauma to the country. And we can talk about um, like growing up with the peace process and, and the conflict and the, and the threat of bombs and all of these different things. And um, there's, there's plenty of, of topics to cover and, and, and I would be happy to, to keep sharing. Appreciate that. And of course, if folks are listening and want to engage any of those topics, show up that day. Uh, Angela, uh, parting words to get people to to feel at home at the Maud Marx Branch Library. They may think, hey, you know, it might not be fun. Um, it's I'm coming from work. Why should I go? Well, I mean, I'm going to there's this book is so quotable just reading it, I'm like, I'm like, I'm making annotations like, yes, I want to remember this. I think even from the first line, sometimes a first line of book is just so memorable. Mm -hmm. And this one, Infinite Countries, begins with, it was her idea to tie up the nun. Just that <laughs> sentence in itself makes you want to keep reading and find out what are you, what's going on? What is happening here? And it's just nonstop. And I think this is a great story. Um, it's one that needed to be told and to share different experiences. Um, so please come join us at the Mark Smith Library. Um, and if you sign up, you're able to get a, a free book. Fantastic. And make new friends, have deep discussions, and find out more about community and culture. And I wanted to close with uh, Adriana. Thank you so much for, for uh, having the courage to join us. I know you were dreading. <laughs> Jenny coming out here. You did a fantastic job. Did she do a good job? She did a good job. You did a fantastic job. And we hope that you go in person. Um, Edina, there's someone your age who might be watching this or whose uh, mom or dad or, or, or tia or tia are going to be given a link to this. What would you tell that young person about this book that, that would make them pick it up or maybe attend the event to to know a little bit more about it and a little more about our cultura. What would you tell that 17-year-old? Um, I really don't know. It's just, I guess it's like, kind of like that first line is like whenever like the nun is tied up, 
like that I, that part really i was just like what what are you talking about <laughs> i was i was really confused and i, I was kind of shocked that, that was the first line but then like after a little bit it's like it starts getting more interesting by like you know by chapter because everything starts, starts coming together you can like see the timeline mm. That's fantastic. We appreciate you encouraging others to go and leading by example. Hey, this is Tony Diaz, Alibra Tapicante. Thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. And we want to thank all the viewers. We want to thank Rodrigo Bravo, our sound engineer. Roxana Guzman is our producer for our online uh, broadcasts. And we hope all of you will come and join us. It's going to be Wednesday, February 21, 6.30 p.m. Uh, it's free. And we look forward to seeing all of you behind the book. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. Nos vemos.